We had a terrific Thanksgiving. We played football. Uh, all the cousins got together. Uh, my, my grandkids are not old enough. They have, they, they're old enough where they can actually, actually play. So we, we just had an incredible weekend. And we watched football, and that, that was great as well. Um, <clears throat> so we have a lot to great, be grateful for. I think a number of you in talking to you, you're like, yeah, we have a lot for, you have a lot of, to be grateful for as well. I'm super grateful for our church. I'm really grateful for you and what God's been doing in you and through you. And uh, one of the, as, as we head in today, we're talking about faith promise. Every year we do faith promise. If you're new to us, you saw it on the announcement. You can check out more of the details. But the basic idea is this, that <clears throat> you decide what you want to give. And almost always, you want to give more than what you believe God for. It scares you. Like, wait, if I give that much, will I have anything left? But if I give that much, what, who's going to take care of me? And that whole process is a faith process. And uh, so today, as we jump into to what we're going to talk about, uh, I, I'm going to give a message. It's the exact same message I gave a year ago. It was really cool to go back through the messages and look at last year and then think about what God has done throughout this year. And so the notes are exactly the same. We might emphasize a few things that are different. And so what I want you to think about this morning as we head off is, is peace. How important is peace to, between you and God to you? When I interview people and I talk to them, I say, hey, what's, what do you really want from God? <laughs> peace is always in the top three. I want peace. To have peace with God is an incredible experience to know I am right with God. To know that I have peace with God, but the big, big deal is God has peace with me. Now today we're going to take communion. What communion represents at its most foundational peace is that God made peace with you possible. He made peace with you by giving his son for you. In other words, you don't do something to get peace with God. It is a gift that he offers to you. And so today what I want to do uh, is review what we talked about last year. And I'm going to ask you this a number of times throughout the day. Did God keep his promise? Did God keep his promise? And then I want us to experience God's peace as we take communion together, talking about giving. Because here's my second question. Can you imagine having peace with God about your giving? Can you imagine standing before God and going, you know what? I gave exactly what I should have given. I might have given more than what I should have given. Most people live their lives going, ah, I gave this, but I should have given more. I gave this, but I should have given more. How are you doing in your giving? People almost always are like, Is it possible to have peace in your giving? Absolutely. Just like everything else in life, that's what God wants for you. And so we're going to start with this uh, simple passage. It says, Jesus is, says this, Given it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a crazy promise. 
That promise is, listen, what you give will be multiplied. Now, in this passage, he's not just talking about giving. The few verses before that, he said this, don't judge and you won't be judged. That's what I love about Skyline. I love that about Skyline. Just recently, we had a, a, a young man, his name's Scott. Scott had, he'd been to Skyline for quite a few years, and he'd, he'd, he'd come to know Christ, but then he turned, and he went back to his life of sin. And it was a four-year process. And just a few, just a little while ago, maybe a month ago, he came before the church, and he confessed that sin and asked forgiveness. A lot of people in our church are like, what? I, I didn't know. I didn't know he did that. You know why? Because you weren't judging and you weren't gossiping. Really, really grateful for that. And he says, if you don't judge, you won't be judged. He also says, if you don't condemn, you won't be condemned. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. And then he says this, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And he walks through that passage. That's our main passage we're going to work from as we work throughout today. But first, let's hit a couple of, of myths. The first myth is this. Giving 10% is a formula. Now, giving 10% is called a tithe. It's a practice throughout, throughout all of the Old Testament, much of the New Testament. It, it, it was something like, it's kind of like the most foundational piece. Like, if I'm going to give to God, where do I start? I start at 10%. It's been that throughout the Bible. But it's very easy to make it think that God is standing in heaven going, did he give his 10%? Because if he gave his 10%, then he matched the numbers he can go through. It's kind of like you, you kind of interact with it like you, you went to the DMV, right? Do you have all the papers you need? You're out. You did? Okay, you can move to the next line. It's not a formula. It's not a formula. And in the New Testament, we don't live by the law. We live by grace. But it's still a pattern that the Bible has set. Secondly is God wants my money. God wants my money. Whenever people say, whenever I even say, I'm going to talk on, on money, I always fear there's 10% of you that are like, oh, no, 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 that's all God wants. All God, wants. God doesn't want your money. He created everything. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't even use money. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. But there's this really simple principle out there. Your heart is connected to your treasure. Always. Your heart is connected to your treasure. So you say, Jesus, I love you. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Invariably, he's going to say, awesome. I love it. I love it. I want your heart. I want you to trust me. I trust you. I trust you. Great. Would you get... Yeah. Let's start with 10%. Whoa, Jesus. Come on now. You just want my money. No. He wants your heart. How do you know if he has your heart? He asks for a little bit of money. And then you get to have a conversation about whether or not you really have given him your heart. It's a really practical thing. Now, if you're here today and you still think God wants your money, this message is not for you. If you think God wants your money and you're going to give because God wants your money, don't give to Skyline. We don't want your money. We want you to experience joy and grace and peace. And you won't get that by trying to buy peace. You can never buy peace. Next is, another myth is that prosperity is the goal. That prosperity is the goal. Now, this is, this is very, 
very, very popular. Lots and lots of people teach this. It go, it's been taught ever since before Jesus it was taught. The idea is that if I give to God, then God will give more back to me. That's what it said. Press down, he gives a lot more. Oh, how do I get more? I'll give some, and he'll give me back more. So the way I'll get rich is I'll give it away. Now, the only people who, give, who get rich when you do that is the people you gave it to. That's who gets rich. The guy who bought the TV time bought the TV time because he knew you'd give him money thinking you're going to get rich. And he brags about how rich he's getting. That is not, it's not God's way. But this is true. Prosperity is a byproduct. What do you mean? Well, when you give, God does. He does keep his promise. He does give. Now, it's not always financial. There's lots of different ways that he gives. But it is a byproduct. And this is confusing. It really is confusing. Because wait a minute, I'm not supposed to do it to get prosperity, but I, but I will? Yeah, as a byproduct. And this has been true throughout history. Any group of people that consistently give, it impacts them financially toward the positive. But it's a byproduct. It's not, it's not what we're after. The last, the, the last myth is this. Pastor Chris is giving this message so the church can get money. That's why he's doing this. I mean, why do we have a giving message? Because we need money. The church needs money. That is not why we do this. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. Then why do we do it? Because I want you and our community to be filled with joy and contentment. And giving is foundational to joy and contentment. It's, it's the way it really works. So what we did last year, and we're going to do it this year, we have three principles. Um, and then we have an application. Like this principle, this is something that's true. Here's an application. This is a challenge for you to do as a result of the application. So number one, the, the first principle is this. The bigger your cup, the bigger God's cup. The bigger your cup that you give with, the bigger God's cup is that he interacts, works with in your life. Go back and read the same passage. Give it and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now remember, this isn't just about money. This is about a lot of things in life. Will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Another place, a lot of other places in the Bible, it says you will reap what you sow. Sow a little, you get a little. Sow a lot, you get a lot. So here was, here was our first application. If you budget and give 10% in five years or sooner, you will have to think about giving more. It's this simple. If you budget and you give 10% in five years, probably less, when you go to decide what you're going to give next year, you're going to have to go, uh-oh, we actually have the ability to give more than we did last year. What are we going to do? That's a scary thing. It's super scary to get to 10%. When you first get to 10%, you're like, oh, I, I never thought we'd get there. We got to 10%. That's awesome. And the crazy thing God does is then the next year he works in your life and then you're like, oh no, more? 
But that's not God loving your money. That's not God going, I want you to be miserable. That's God going, hey, I want to keep expanding the cup. You will have more than you need to live on, or you will need less to live on. I watched both of them happen. You begin to make more money, or you make the same amount of money, but you've discovered we waste a lot of money, and you live on less. And in Corinthians, it says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He's the one who provided the money in the first place. But when you give it, he's going to expand it. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. What a crazy promise. He is going to enrich you and make you more generous. And through us, your generosity result result in thanksgiving. So what you're going to watch is your greed lesson and your generosity grow. Now, at Skyline, we have this principle where uh, the pastor is the least most important person in the church. And I try really hard not to have a lot of demands. Like, it's got to be my way. It's got to be my way. But there's one thing that irritates me to no end. It has to be my way. It's this. Right? When you order cups in Skyline, if you order this cup, I won't fire you, but I'll want to. (laughs) Why? Because... You go to get this cup, right? You go to get something to drink. The first thing you do is you put ice in it, right? How much can you put in it after you put the ice in it? Like this much. You have to spend the entire day managing your drink. Did I drink too much? Do I, well, I, I, should I drink that? Oh, I got to go get some more. Now you got to go get some more. Now you spend half your day going to get more to drink or you don't drink. You order the big cup. Order the big cup. Why? Because then you don't have to worry about it. You put ice in there, you still got that much space. It's awesome. In your giving, in your interaction with God. Which cup do you use? Which cup do you use? You use this cup. Then you get back up. You use this cup. He just keeps growing it. The bigger your cup, the bigger God's cup. Second principle, God changes you, which in turn changes your fruit. God changes you, which in turn changes your fruit. When you give, God changes you. You you have experienced this at the most basic level in life. When you were three years old, you were so unhappy that you didn't get something or you didn't have something. And your parents taught you to say thank you. They made you say thank you. In my kid's case, it's under the threat of physical punishment. You're going to say thank you. You're going to be grateful. And after you said thank you, it changed you. It changed your heart. If you're married, you do it right now. You're mad, you're frustrated, they're not doing well, they're not doing good. 
God goes, why don't you just be grateful for your spouse? And you're like, okay, I'm going to be grateful. And it begins to change you. And then God goes, and tell them, no, no, I'm not going that far. Tell them you're grateful. And you, you fight it like mad. And when you tell them, it changes you. Super simple principle. So here's the application. If you budget and give 10% in five years, you will be amazed at God's fruit of generosity in your ministry or your marriage, probably both, your parenting, your wisdom, and your generosity. If you give, he'll change you. Now, if you already give 10%, then the challenge is if you budget and give, continue to step out in faith in your giving. What's it say? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Say it again. And God, who is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's a promise that he says in 2 Corinthians. And what was happening in 2 Corinthians is that the, the Corinthian church had actually already made a faith promise. They'd already promised to give to the church in Jerusalem, which was suffering. And it was time for them to come to collect the money to be able to take it. And Paul was writing them to encourage them to keep their faith promise. To do what they had said they would do. And he said, if you do, as you give, the principle is what we just read. What happens at work when you love to serve? What happens at work when you get along with your coworkers? What happens at work... When you become a generous person at work, you become better at it. And what's the byproduct? You get promotions and you make more money. When God changes you, it changes the fruit that comes from you. Now, we shared that principle. We shared the first principle. I'm going to ask you. I did this on purpose. I didn't bring anybody up here to share their stories, although there's many stories in the skyline of people taking on this challenge. They've already seen the fruit. It's already happening. But I said five years. So we're not going to do the one-year thing, right? Have you start up the drop. Then have somebody come to me and go, you put them on stage. They didn't make it. No. Next year, we're going to start doing it. I want to ask you, did you budget and get 10%? I would love for you to email me how many of you say, I did. And this is what happened. Did you actually, are you actually in a position right now where you've got to go, you know what? I, I actually have to wrestle with whether or not I'm going to give more because I can. Did you budget and give the 10%? What's happened to you? How's that impacted you? Is it changing you? Principle number three. God provides for his church through his people. God provides for his church through his people. Third application. If you budget and give 10% in five years, your church will be impacting our community in ways you could never have dreamed of. 
there was a missionary family called the Dyak family, and they'd gone to a, <clears throat> one of the islands in Southeast Asia, and they had planted a church. They'd started a church, and these people were incredibly poor people. They were so poor that their clothes were worn out, and they had no money. They literally had no money. They didn't, they didn't use money because they weren't able to, they didn't really have jobs. They didn't earn any money. They just subsisted off the food that they could raise, and they were incredibly poor people. But they came to know Christ, and they trusted Christ, and they were grateful for Christ. And one day, as the missionary was interacting with the people, he was headed toward the village, and God said, I want you to teach these people to give. And he's like, give? They don't have anything. How can I, how can I ever teach them to give? I don't want to... No, no, I'm not going to do that. That is so cruel of me to tell people who have nothing to give some of it to God. I'm not going to do it. And God just kept working on him and working on him and working on him. And finally he said, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, he begins to teach them about giving. And the people get really excited. They're like, wait, this is how we can interact with Christ? Christ has given us so much he has given us, he's poured so much into us, this is how we can interact with Christ. And he said, yeah, this is what you do. So, and this missionary would come to this, the village, and then he would go to another village, you know, he, he'd travel different places. And it had been a year. And he comes back to the village. And they have clothes. They have some clothes they actually bought. And he's like, what, what, what happened? How did, what, what's going on? They said, well, we don't know. We don't know what happened. But we began to share our chickens and share our eggs and share our yams. And through that process, we began to actually be able to get to the place where we could make money. We're, we're, this missionary couldn't imagine how this principle could work if you had nothing. But it works whether you have nothing or if you have much. The same principle works. It says this. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now we started by talking about peace. Peace is a place. Peace and contentment are very, very close to each other. Peace is a place where in a relationship, you know there's nothing between me and you. And God, Christ came. And us as sinners, our sin was between us and him. Our selfishness, our flesh, our pride was between us and him. And we didn't have the ability to get rid of it. And so what he did is he said, you know what, I'll take your pride I'll take your selfishness. I'll take your bad attitudes. I'll take your greediness. I'll put that on me. I'll become your sin. And he went to the cross, and he paid for it with his life. His blood was shed so he could wash you clean as snow, so that you could walk into his presence and go, Father, is there anything between you and me? And the Father can say, absolutely not. Jesus wiped it all away. I'm at peace with you. You stand in grace now. That's the relationship. 
that we have. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You see, a believer has the opportunity to live their lives from that place, from peace. You have an opportunity not to earn peace, not to prove yourself to God, not to prove that you deserve to be in his presence. Exact opposite. I don't deserve to be here, but by your grace, I'm here. Now, when you stand in that place, you're a very forgiving person. Why? Because you've been forgiven. When you stand in that place, you're a very generous person. Why? Because God has been so generous to you. He changes who you are. You get to stand in Christ. You get to live in that place. And then he says, hey, let's start, let's start by giving Let's give 10% to the kingdom of God. Let's give 10% so I can impact more people to come to know me. And something inside of us says, wait, I need to earn it. I need to earn your favor now. And so I'm going to give money to earn your favor. Absolutely not true. Once you do that, you lose the power of generosity. And guess what else goes? There goes your peace. Now, God is at peace with you, but you've stepped out of the peace. God is, he's made you right with him, but you said, I don't want to live from that place. I want to live from a place that my money is mine, and I make it. And it's a sign of my pride. It's a sign of my success. It's, it's what gives me security. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I give you security. I give you peace. I make you whole. I make you valuable. When you step back into that place and you give, so that you can be generous on every occasion. The peace comes first. And from the peace, you give. And when you give, he makes you more generous. And through that, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And therefore, it impacts other This, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Now we're going to take communion together. And as we take communion together, this, this is what I want you to grab a hold of for today. One is, we challenged you to make these challenges last year. We challenged you to do this last year. And I would love to hear anyone who actually accepted that challenge and the opposite's happened so far. It's not that that couldn't happen. We said five years. Sometimes the first year it goes like this, and then the next four it goes like that.
but I've heard so many stories of already you're seeing it happen. So first of all, I just want to be thankful and grateful that that's happened. But the second is this. The reason that you have peace with Jesus is because he paid for everything and he gave everything to you. The reason you have peace with Jesus is because you stopped trying to prove yourself. You stopped trying to give enough. You stopped trying to be somebody that could have peace with God. And in your heart, you got on your knees before God and you said, God, I have nothing to offer you, but I want to accept what you have for me. And he washed you clean and he gave you peace. As we take communion, you can have peace with God in what you give. Like, I don't know how much God wants me to give. He says in the Bible, decide in your heart what you want to give and give it. You, God doesn't have a number out there that's a mystery. He's like, I hope you can figure it out. He doesn't have a number out there that you, you don't know. He said 10% is the base. But from that point on, guess what? You decide. Now, that's not fair, by the way, because the number you decide is always way bigger. You, you don't, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, I'd love to give 20%. I'd love to, but I can't. Why? Because God won't make up for it. Oh, yes, he will. But God won't take care of me. Oh, yeah, he will. But you have to live in faith. You have to live in, wait a minute, who am I? I'm his. I'm totally his. And honestly, if you're here today and you're like, I want to give 3%, that's what I want to give. It's just as scary to trust God for that 3% as it is 20. It is. But you can have peace with the 3% or the 20%. Why? Because Jesus has already given you peace. And if that's the number, that's the number. The issue is, are you giving it from the peace that God has already given you? Or are you trying to buy peace? I do have one story. It's the church story. That God will impact your church. It was last year at this weekend that I gave this message. It was in last year of October that we had gotten such rough shape financially that we really thought we were going to have to cut salaries, which is kind of the last step that you want to take. And that promise, if you budget, give 10%. God's going to do things in church you cannot imagine. He did something in our church I cannot imagine. So for this is not an exaggeration. For Our church is about 20 years old. For about 15 years, we've been trying to figure out the operations part of our church. So if you don't know this about me, I've said it many times, but if you don't know about them, me, I love people. I don't love organizations. I'm not good at running them. And so for us to impact more people, we need to find that person. We've, we have tried 15 different things to do it. It has been the biggest weight on my shoulders in terms of how do we fix this? How do we fix this? And a couple years ago, I got to the place where like, I, I can't fix it. I cannot fix it. 
God, you need to do something. You know how many conversations I've had with God where I said, God, you've got to do something. And I get so mad, like, why aren't you fixing this? So this year, God has done a couple things. One, through your giving, he has provided enough funds out above our regular offerings to be able to hire somebody full-time next year to do operations. But just hiring somebody doesn't solve the problem. What if they don't know how to do it either? God has brought somebody to our church who's literally an operations expert. Like, he's literally an expert at this. He's already been, he's got a full-time job. He's been putting things into place. Uh, it's already begun to change our church. Throughout the next year, you're going to see beautiful changes. But he's got a full-time job. He can't, he can't come to work for us, and we don't have enough money to pay him that much. And God has also provided a person that we're actually in the midst of right now to be that person's assistant. Now, to me, it'd be wrong to say it's everything, but it's huge. It's like really, really huge. Why? Because God changes people through his church and God supports his church through your giving. And God keeps his promise. If you budget and give 10% in five years, you are going to be just amazed at what he does in your church. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your truth being amazing. Thank you for your freedom. In your name we pray.